Welcome to the Pursuing Perspective podcast in connection with The Warrior Project and sponsored in part by the Medjukos Health Institute. This podcast brings together people who actively pursue healing and growth on their journey and want to help others do the same. It is not just another bank of ideas from experts in their field, but is also a place that includes paths for practical application to shift both beliefs and behaviors for the purpose of progression. It's about knowing where you're at and how to get to where you want to be. Hello, friends. I'm so happy that you're here. I am your host, Chantel Thaxton-Blake. This is episode 27, Arm Yourself. This is part four of our Victim to Victor series. In the last three episodes, we've been discussing the drama triangle, also known as the victim triangle, which is what I've been referring to it as primarily. This is a model of human interaction that was first identified by Stephen Cartman. So this is the fourth and final part of this topic that we're going to cover today. So to just quickly review those roles, the victim has that stance of poor me. They see themselves as victimized, oppressed, powerless, helpless, hopeless, dejected. Um, they want to get you know, um, special treatment sometimes. They can deny responsibility um, for their negative circumstances and deny um, possessing the power to change those circumstances. Now remember, I've talked about this before, that this is a type of interaction. It's a model of human interaction that Cartman identified. It is not an actual... Now it can move into this and it can be representative of this, but someone who's actually been a victim of abuse or trauma, um, something that's done, been done to them, you know, these feelings are very natural and normal to come out of. It's when these are more um, applied to kind of everyday situations or when even that healing doesn't happen or occur and we just move into that victim mentality about everything in our life. Once the actual, you know, victimization is done, we still remain a victim. And that's the critical piece is that we're able to eventually move out of that. Now, rescuers, they have the stance of, you know, let me help you. Um, They work hard to caretake other people and they often neglect their own needs and they don't take responsibility for meeting their own needs. Persecutors take the stance of it's all your fault. They criticize and blame the victim, set strict limits, and can be controlling, rigid, authoritative, angry, and unpleasant. They keep the victim feeling oppressed through threats and bullying. They really have this deep-seated sense of shame. They often have experienced their own abuse or abuse when they were in their childhood. And so they have this underlying shame and then um, just rage um, for what's happened. And that tends to be what drives their behavior without even realizing it. So in this model of interaction, you know, we'll step into a um, a particular role. Usually there's a starting gate point. Um, As we step into that, we can move around those roles very quickly, especially even in relation to ourselves. You know, we can beat ourselves up, be our own persecutor, and then try to rescue ourselves from that abuse by avoidance or denial. Um, And then as we continue to struggle, we can just, you know, go into that poor me mentality. Because all aspects lead to that victim in the triangle, which is why it's an inverted triangle, because that's where it tends to lead once we're in that triangle, which is, again, why it's so critical that we understand this and are able to move out of that. We talked in episode 25 about how to break free from the triangle, um, specifically um, becoming, so first becoming aware of the roles, which we started and have been working on continually, and second, identifying how we enter the triangle, which we talked a little bit about in those first episodes on this topic, and then third, determine the payoffs and consequences for continuing to act within the triangle, and finally, learning how to shift our thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors to get out of it. Now, we did talk about that 
um, a little bit all throughout all four of these, but our big focus today, the final one is really stepping out of that triangle with the tools necessary to do that, to stay out of the triangle or when we find ourselves back in it, which we likely will, that we can move out of that again. So this is looking really at those cognitive distortions that lead us into this. And this is why last week, again, you know, we made that connection between um, the, the fear responses of fight, flight, and freeze um, in connection to these specific roles. And it really is this responsive, just knee-jerk reaction that becomes automatized in our life um, based on previous experiences um, that are then driven and held in place by these cognitive distortions and self-defeating beliefs, and which is why we really need to look at these. So I want to talk a little bit more about those cognitive distortions and, um, and, and then get into how to change those and to share with you tools Um, When I talk about arming yourself, it's arming ourselves with those tools when we're going into battle to get out of this, right? Victors don't go into battle without their their weapons or their shields, whatever that is. That's such a critical part um, of them being able to overcome. So that's about what we're going to do today is getting those tools to arm ourselves. And we've been working on that through this. So those cognitive distortions, so just to kind of walk through this, these are have been identified as part of cognitive behavioral therapy, looking at these thoughts that are most common that can that are really a distortion of reality and become such a negative aspect in our life, create those negative emotions. They're definitely driven by fear. And so that's one of those, there's very clear connections between cognitive distortions and these roles in the victim triangle. So I want to talk about the ones that I have made a connection to within these roles. But as you go through the cognitive distortions, which this sheet um, will be linked, um, but it's also going to be connected to the tools that I'm sharing with you today. And you can go through those cognitive distortions, learn more about them, and then use the tools that I'm going to share with you to help shift them. And then you may find some other connections, some other cognitive distortions you believe are tied to those those roles within the victim triangle. So the rescuer, the ones that seem most clear to me, um, were personalization, where they take everything very personally. It's all about them. The fallacy of fairness, heaven's reward fallacy, um, which is something they believe, you know, this is is a big one for... um, those that are rescuers. This is where they believe um, in martyrdom it's a, as a worthy role to play in life. Serving the greater good can often become a distortion in our minds of a justification for doing things we want to do and endorsing things we want to believe in. Um, so it's just interesting to look at these and how we might distort them in a way that locks us into these roles or even starts us there. Confusing feelings with facts. That's another cognitive distortion. Mistaking beliefs for what's true. Um, labeling, that's one that we're going to see through all of these. It's when we label ourselves based on our behavior in specific situations. So every, you know, it's whether we're conscious of it or not, we can label ourselves as a certain role or a certain character in a story, right? Just like these roles, we can label ourselves as such, even if we're unconscious about it, which is why it's so critical we become aware so we can quit identifying with this role because we're so much more than one thing that we do or an aspect that we, um, experience, right? So generalizing and categorizing, that's another cognitive distortion. Um, And that one is a little bit more where you take one experience and you generalize it to everything else. Um, And so that can become problematic. So based on one instance in the past or present, you assume that the future um, will be the will follow that similar pattern. It's the real sense of helplessness often 
can be connected to that. And so I, I definitely recognize that as in these roles where we can generalize based on that experience. It's one of the reasons we end up labeling emotional reasoning. So we just, we're not using our wise mind. So the wise mind is a balance between emotions and rational thought. And we don't want one or the other. We want that balance between the two. Um, a lot of times, you know, we can hear, oh, you're just, you're not, you know, you're too sensitive or you're just using your emotions and you need to think about this rationally. Well, yes, we want to balance that. But but having just um, straight rational thinking isn't necessarily better than just coming from emotion. So it's important to use that wise mind that's been identified um, in a lot of the therapy work to look for that wise mind. You can look up the wise mind and, and see that balance there. It's really helpful to understand that. And emotional reasoning is when we're very much just going from our emotions. We're not bringing in that rational piece to get to our wise mind. Blaming and irresponsibility. This is going to be a cognitive distortion that runs through all of them. Um, it's, you know, we find it relieving and liberating to blame other people for the way our life is. Um, you know, it, it just, it re absolves us of that responsibility. But when we take more responsibility for the role we play in our lives, the more empowered we are to change. And we've talked about this the whole time. The only way all the experts that work in this arena of that victim triangle where they kind of dedicated their life works to this is that re that taking responsibility is the only way out for any of the roles. So let's talk about persecutor now. So persecutor, some of those cognitive distortions, deletions. Um, so they may just, um, the persecutor's only looking at certain things, whether it's um, they're t not looking at all of the information, and specifically they're looking at the negative information. They're deleting some of the positive. Um, mental filtering, okay, it's when we're presented with a collection of ideas or experiences in close concession, and our mind filters all these experiences together through one funnel to come up with one conclusion. So we're not looking at different perspectives. They have a very limited perspective. Generalizing and categorizing, again, that's another cognitive discussion that's um, going to be there with the persecutor, just like it was with the rescuer. Confusing, filling with facts, and mistaking beliefs for what's true and labeling all of those personalization and blaming and irresponsibility so you're going to see a lot of crossover right in these cognitive distortions it's interesting there's a lot of um, ones that are similar um, because again they're all kind of functioning from that same place of uh, worthlessness needing to control um, feeling like life is happening to them those themes run through all the roles although sometimes they'll be more um, pronounced or evident in one of the roles, especially. So victim, confusing feelings with facts. Obviously, I feel like a victim, therefore I am a victim. Mistaking beliefs for what's true. Labeling, deletions, they're only looking at certain parts. They're forgetting their power. They're looking at the only times that they were um, felt powerless. Generalizing and categorizing again. Personalization, self-victimization. That is an actual identified cognitive distortion in CBT and cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, is self-victimization. It's, you know, just, it's all they focus on. And this is so important that what we focus on in life, we feel. And so when we keep focusing on all the times that we've been victim and how things are happening to us and reflecting on our past trauma and experiences, we just can't pull out of that victim mentality. Um, so minimization, um, that's another one. That's a little bit of a unique one to um, this role. So minimization um, is it is the opposite to there's another one called magnification, which is taking a fairly minor negative event and blowing it completely out of proportion. So it is hard. Sometimes we can, if we have to come in and stay in that victim role, we can do that minimization. Um, and so it's, it's just important to 
um, you know, we will downplay our positive attributes. Um, so magnification is again, taking that minor event and blowing it up and, and, and all of those can do that. But really this one specifically is that minimization. It's that where we're downplaying our positive attributes, downplaying our abilities. We kind of do both. Um, they're kind of the flip side of the same coin. And so we can tend to do both depending on the situation, but minimization is something, um, that I, that I've seen very much connected with the victim role and blaming and irresponsibility again, um, that's such a critical one to recognize that cognitive distortion that we take responsibility um, for what we can control and, and our part in something and then go to work on it. So those are some of the main cognitive distortions. Again, there's a full sheet available to you that's going to be, um, I have partnered with um, Medjicos Health Institute um, to be able to create these tools and create these resources for us as we move forward in, in our healing work specifically in relation to moving out of these roles in the victim triangle. So some of the ways to shift cognitive distortions, first of all, be aware they exist. And those are things that we've talked about a little bit throughout. Um, and now you've got a full sheet accessible to look at those. Then really the biggest thing about cognitive distortions is, is a lot of it is tied to that mental filtering. We're looking at one specific aspect or one perspective of an experience, our perspective, which is very limited, very much based on our previous experience, based on our current beliefs. So it's important that we shift perspective. It's the biggest thing that we can do to help move those cognitive and shift those cognitive distortions. So one of the key questions that we asked in that we ask in cognitive behavioral therapy is to just say, is there another way to look at this? You know, it's it's really interesting because um I'll give you a very personal example. So um, last fall, um, when I moved into this house about eight years ago, um, it's an older home that someone had flipped and it's kind of a split level with a walkout with a little stairway out the back, um, out of the laundry room downstairs. And there's a little tiny drain that wasn't really dug out. And so I've had, when it rained really heavy, it would flood into there a few times over the time that I've been here. And it would thankfully just come mostly into the laundry room, which was tile, but it has come up into a little bit further. Well, last year when there was a really, last fall when there was a really big storm, um, I was actually out of town for work. So was my husband and my daughter called in. It had flooded clear up through everything downstairs. And when we had everyone come in, or we had the people come in to look at it, they found mold and all of these other issues. And we had to basically tear the entire basement apart. And it felt so frustrating at the time. There were so many things that it just stopped in our life. And um, we'd just been able to refinance to try to have a cushion and it was eating all that up. But it was a blessing. We did have the refinance and have the cushion to do that. Well, what's so interesting, some other things have changed in our lives and... and um, we're going to be moving a little bit closer to my work. And we just realized the perspective of, oh my goodness, what a blessing. Like, I don't know. There's no way we could get ready and do everything we needed to in this little house to get ready to sell had we not done all that. Because the mold was there before and I just didn't know it. And it would have had to have been taken care of. And maybe I wouldn't have had the money or the time or whatever. And so it was just this really powerful awareness that, oh my goodness, like that was a blessing that flood was a blessing. And so often we can get the perspective after, but we can save ourselves a lot of pain if when an event happens, if we go, is there another way to look at this? Could this be a blessing? Could this be an opportunity? 
Um, could this be a guidance to shift me in a different direction to just look at it from a different perspective? Because again, going back to that ABC model, you know, we have an event, the activating event, and we believe there's just a consequence, but it's our belief it's our, which is so intricately tied to our perspective that creates the consequence, creates what we're feeling and how we behave. And so it's about changing that and recognizing that, that that B in the ABC formula, our belief, which is tied to our thoughts, we can change. And we can, and that starts with shifting our perspective. So the first question to ask ourselves anytime something happens is, is there another way to look at this? That's the quickest way to help us shift. And then say, is there substantial evidence for my thought? You know, so the thought that's happening. Um, what is the evidence for it? Is there evidence that contradicts it? Am I trying to interpret the situation without all of the evidence by chance? And this is the best one. If I look at the situation positively, how is it different? Just from going from a pessimistic explanatory style um, to that, that positive explanatory style. So, so this is, a lot of times you can do it with one word. So for example, uncertainty if I were to ask you, what does uncertainty mean? A negative kind of pessimistic explanatory style would be worry. Uncertainty means worry. But what about an optimistic explanatory style? What would it be then? What could uncertainty also mean? If we look at it through that positive lens, opportunity. Uncertainty could be opportunity. So sometimes going into just that one word, in one word, how could I change my perspective to a positive perspective and how would that be different? So there's a lot of little questions that we can ask that will help start to shift that perspective and help us make those connections. We have created, so Pursuing Perspective um, in connection with Medjicos Health Institute, real-time tools that when you are feeling activated and you're feeling those intense emotions, whether it be overwhelm or um, grief, or we've, we've got those developed where you can go in and it will help ground you. It'll help you process those emotions, thoughts, um, and even beliefs. Um, now, these are supposed to be done in tandem with some more instruction, and those are all going to be connected as well. But this is a real-time tool to kind of help you move through that at the time the thought is happening or those intense emotions are happening. You will identify that thought connected with it. So there is one um, on shifting cognitive distortions that will be released this week. Um, where you're looking at, you know, what happened, what emotion are you feeling? And then you're going into those same questions about how to shift cognitive distortions. You know, what um, evidence do you have for this thought against it? Who's in control of this thought? Are you basing this thought on facts or feelings? Is this a black and white? Are you looking at this um, or is this thought black and white when the reality is it's more complicated? Could you be misinterpreting the evidence? Are you making any assumptions? Um, are you looking at all the evidence or just what supports your thought? Could your thought be an exaggeration of what's true? Are you having this thought out of habit or do the facts support it? Um, did someone pass on this thought or belief to you? Because remember, those thoughts are so connected. They can become beliefs over time. Um, if they just keep being repeated, they can become beliefs. Um, and if so, is that person that passed it on a reliable source or were they dealing with their own cognitive distortions? You know, is your thought a likely scenario or is it worst case scenario? And what are the costs of thinking this way? We really have to look at the costs of maintaining. You know, sometimes, sometimes we think there's a benefit and we have a negative benefit, but if we really look at the costs of, of what happens when we maintain these cognitive distortions, it can help us go, yeah, I don't want to maintain this thought anymore. And so we look at, you know, what is a more useful perspective? 
Um, and so these tools are going to be available. The really cool thing is to start you off, we're going to release these a little bit later this week because not to overwhelm um, the victim. There are real-time tools to help you identify if you're playing the victim role, the persecutor role, or the um, rescuer role. And honestly, we play all of them. So whenever we're sensing that, we can start to learn about within that tool a little bit about those beliefs and cognitive distortions that are connected to them, like we're talking about today, and give you tools to be able to start to process those. And we're going to keep providing tools to do that as well. Those are going to be found at medjicos.com forward slash library. So I'm going to spell it for you, but I'm going to also put it in the notes. So it's medjicos spelled M-E-D-U-C-O-S.com forward slash library. Um, and if you can't find the link, you can email me at pursuingperspective at gmail and I'll just send you the direct link to these real-time tools. That's not a problem. Please feel free to do that if you can't locate those. So let's talk about those beliefs as well and talk about the tool, the real-time tool connected with that. So these thoughts, as I talked about before, over time can become unconscious and if they're repeated and associated with strong emotions and perspective, they can become beliefs. And sometimes the belief is just direct and then those thoughts surround that. So Albert Ellis, um, a psychologist, suggested a small number of core beliefs underlie most unhelpful emotions and behaviors. Core beliefs are underlying rules that guide how we react to the events and circumstances in our life. So these self-defeating beliefs, there's 14, um, and I'm going to just talk about the ones that are related to, um, but there will be a sheet available for that as well in connection with the tools, and you'll find it on the library, the links to those, um, again, at Medjicos forward slash library medjicos.com forward slash library. So the victim, some of those self-defeating beliefs, I need everyone to approve of me. It's not okay to make mistakes. If I do, I'm a bad person. Other people should strive to ensure I'm always happy. Events in my past are to blame for my attitudes and behaviors today. Everyone needs to rely on someone stronger than them and someone somewhere should take responsibility for me. So, um, you know, that I need, let's just talk about a few of them. I need everyone to approve of me. You know, this is, we are people pleasers when we have that. And a lot of us that have been, had experiences where we've had trauma, where we didn't feel enough and we become victim, we become people pleasers because we are desperate to have people approve of us because somehow we've been rejected or not had that approval. Um, and, and we say yes to everything when really we don't want to, you know, so Sometimes we'll lie to fit into other people's narratives and demands. Sometimes we'll agree with opinions we don't really agree with. Um, we'll just do whatever it takes to get someone's approval, often to our, to our detriment. Um, it's usually because we believe our opinions, needs, and thoughts, and whole persona, not good enough. And so this is such a critical aspect to understand where these are coming from. And this, sh this sheet on the self-defeating beliefs will go into those in depth, what those um, mean and what they're connected to. But you can see why someone that's a victim would need to have everyone approve of them. Because then um, I know in my own experience, like if I'm just good enough, then, you know, um, that will stop. The abuse will stop. Or if, you know, and so a lot of times we just turn ourselves inside out, walk on eggshells to please a person who honestly cannot be pleased because they've got their own um, cognitive distortion and self-defeating beliefs sorry, that are driving them as well. So just a couple of those others to look at. Um, other people should strive to ensure that I'm always happy. That seems... Um, 
it's just sometimes we just feel like this one comes not really from a sense of arrogant entitlement. It's that we don't feel like we can take care of ourselves. So, um, and we don't know how to make ourselves happy. We've kind of lost our confidence and our ability to take care of ourselves, including taking care of our own happiness. And so we put that on other people, which just keeps us a victim mode because nobody, no other person or circumstance can determine our happiness. It's our experience with that and our belief. So it's just one of those things to be mindful of, um, and look at. And again, you know, that I must succeed in everything I do. Um, that's one that's could go into victim. I debated a little bit, but a lot of times it's just, these are ones that run through, um, not feeling good enough. Honestly, so many of these beliefs are tied to not feeling good enough. I really believe, and I know there's other psychologists that echo this, that, um, when we really struggle with a sense of feeling enough, this lands us into so many of these cognitive distortions and self-defeating beliefs, which could then land us into these roles that we play, um, and once we can recognize our worth and feel enough, a lot of this starts to change for us. So rescuer, some of the self-defeating beliefs, the fallacy of fairness. This is this is a big one for rescuers where everything should be fair. You know, I help you and save you. You should then return that. And they get pretty frustrated when that doesn't happen. They also have, um, um, you know, that heaven's reward fallacy. So, um, that's another one, um, that's, that's part of what they're dealing with, um, as well. They, they often go into, um, those are those cognitive distortions that can lead to the beliefs like, um, you know, how important it is for them to, um, have everyone making them happy. You know, that's another one that can be connected to that. So the persecutor, um, they have beliefs tied to, I succeed in everything. I, I have to succeed in everything I do to be valuable. Other people should strive to ensure I'm always happy. Um, those are some of the beliefs tied there. So when you go through, I won't go through all of these, um, but I will put them in the notes, but to just look through and see some of those beliefs that you can see connected to each of these roles um, that can be driving that. Another one for persecutor, I shouldn't have to feel sadness, discomfort, or pain, which is one of the reasons they don't often take responsibility for those because the pain is so deep for them that they just avoid it. And so they put on this grandiose air that they're wonderful and they won't look at their own stuff and it becomes really problematic. So we're talking about changing beliefs. There's a real-time tool for this as well. And this is where we're going to use, I've talked about this before in previous episodes about how there's really four aspects of the self. Um, it can also be referred to as the four bodies, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual or energetic, and the physical. And for healing to be complete or comprehensive, we need to be able to do it on all those levels, make sure that it's taken care of on all those levels. And so the changing beliefs really is not just about the mental level. It's about moving it through all those aspects. So some, I, some ways that, again, will be supported in changing these beliefs is first, be aware that they exist these, these self-defeating beliefs. Um, so knowing what those are and becoming familiar with that information, which you can, will be really helpful. Then identify the costs and payoffs of holding these beliefs. So this is the mental. So look at what in your mind you think is the payoff, um, in holding a certain belief, like, which is weird to think, why would there be a payoff, right? So in playing a victim in victimization, if we're holding that belief, it could actually keep us safe because if I have a belief, that, for example, I have to be perfect to be enough. 
then playing the victim, meaning like it's not my responsibility, like someone else is doing this to me, it's not my fault I'm not perfect, kind of keeps us safe. And so it's important to recognize some of those payoffs that we don't always think that there's a payoff for holding a negative belief or a cognitive distortion, but there is, or we wouldn't hang on to them. Usually it's self-preservation. Usually it's to avoid something. And so to look at those payoffs um, is, is an important part, not just looking at the cost, not looking at the negative effect, but there's usually something that we've twisted to a positive effect, which is why we hang on to them. Then we need to be prepared to create replacement beliefs and behaviors for the payoffs in particular. So again, if, because that's why we will hang on to a current belief um, because of the payoff. And so, for example, if I'm keeping that victimization um, because of another belief that that self-defeating belief that I have to be perfect um, to be enough, then we won't change it, right? Because it'll feel really unsafe to do that. And so we have to be prepared to create a replacement belief, which is what we're going to do. Um, is you know to to start to recognize and start making that connection of what's what's happening there and say you know what I don't have to be perfect to be enough and everybody makes mistakes and failure is an opportunity to learn and so I can take responsibility for myself I don't have to have things happening to me because it's okay if I make a mistake so it's just about being able to change that thought process around the payoff and get to what a real payoff would be. You know, it's actually a better payoff for me to take responsibility because then I'm confident and I'm no longer playing the victim role. And that's where we start to get into looking at, so what's the payoff of stopping this cognitive distortion, of changing this self-limiting belief and really identifying what the positive payoff payoff is? And that can be critical. Because the payoffs and the costs are really where we're tied to the emotional, that, that other aspect. Um, is to look at how we're feeling, you know, um, you know, if we, we feel safe because of that, you know, uh, payoff, that's the emotional part. And so we're going to have to replace that to keep us feeling safe and feeling um, whatever other emotions are connected to that. So looking at the emotions connected to the payoffs and costs and creating alternative payoffs to maintain that emotion um, that we're utilizing to stay okay. And then we want to go through a process of releasing the old self-defeating belief and replacing it with a new bridge belief. So this is where the spiritual energetic can come in because when we have an old belief, once we've recognized, you know what, this is a self-defeating belief. I don't want to maintain this anymore. Um, I don't need to feel um, to maintain that belief of victimization, self-victimization, that everything's happening to me. So what happens here is is to bring in a spiritual energetic aspect where we visualize or meditate or pray or whatever works for us um, to see ourselves releasing that belief. Whatever ritual you want to do, whether it's just asking to help it be removed, visualizing it being removed, meditating about it being removed, see that going out of your system, being grounded and cleared. Um, And then we have the space to call in and create that new positive belief. So this is where we get into the physical aspect, where we want to actively do something physically, create that behavior change to change that belief. So the bridge belief is one thing that I've talked about before. So here's what's interesting. So when we have a, a belief that we're holding, even if it's negative, like I hate my body and I recognize it's a self-defeating belief, and I want to change that. Um, But then I go to the belief that I really want, which is I love my body. 
The problem is I love my body is so far from the current belief that I hold, it creates what's called cognitive dissonance, which is where when our beliefs don't match up, it creates this angst in us. And our brain is designed to avoid pain and seek pleasure and be efficient about that. So it wants us to go back to the automatic current belief, even if it's negative, because trying to bring in the new one is too... Uh, it creates too much um, of that cognitive dissonance. It feels uncomfortable. And so even when we're trying to shift, our, we will like sabotage ourselves when we're trying to shift to a new positive belief. So what happens is we need to create a bridge belief, one that feels true. My mom talked about this too. So this is where we've got to find a belief that is not so far from the current belief that we hold, but that can help bridge us to the new belief that we really want to have. So for example, let's use that same example. So I hate my body. I love my body too far, too much cognitive dissonance. So I'm going to create a bridge belief. Just I have a body and I'm grateful. And so when that thought comes up, when I can feel that thought come into my head, um, that's being driven by that belief, um, that maybe my body, maybe it's being driven by a belief, you know, that my body has to be perfect, um, for me to love it. And so that is driving that thought of, you know, I hate my body, I hate my body, I hate my body. Well, I can create this bridge thought or a bridge belief. You can use it either way to help get to the belief that I want to hold that I love my body. And so maybe I just say, I so when that thought comes up, that negative thought that's driven by that belief, I hate my body and I can just replace it very quickly. Nope, I no longer choose that. I have a body and I'm grateful. And then pretty soon when we start to change that thought and connect it with those positive feelings, it can become a belief. You know, I have a body and I'm grateful. And then once that becomes automatic, then we can start to shift into I love my body because now I love my body is not that far from I have a body and I'm grateful. See how that works? We want to bridge that so that it feels true to us in the moment but helps get to, get us to that ultimate belief that we want to have. So for another physical things, once you create that bridge belief, whatever it is that you want to create to help move you there, write it down. Have that physical act of writing it down and then repeating it three times a day. Um, so respond to it. So make sure that you're repeating that um, aside from even when it's being a trigger, having a triggering event. So for example, just three times a day, say, I have a body and I'm grateful. Say it out loud. Um, have that physical experience with that. And um, if that, but then be prepared for when the automatic thought comes in the previous one, like I hate my body, you've got to be able to say it again um, to replace that current um, self-defeating belief and cognitive distortion. And then use the real-time tool. That's going to be another thing. The real-time tool is a physical act. These real-time tools that we're um, putting up for you to be able to start to shift that cognitive distortion and that self-defeating belief. These, because we want to shift them because they're driven largely by fear, which is why we also talked about in the last episode, in episode 26, about the connection between our fear response and the victim triangle. And we talked about Grace LeConte's responses to fear, the fight, flight, freeze, which has been identified before, but the fourth option, face. So we talked about how fight is usually the persecutor. They have a need to attack, flight, the rescuer, need to avoid, freeze, the victim shuts down, feels powerless. There's that fourth option, face, which is the victor. The way that they're able to face is if they have tools and resources to defend. So it's about responding rather than reacting, being conscious. And our reactions, what is unconscious for us is our reactions are driven by our beliefs, which is why it's so important if our beliefs are not healthy that we change them. We want our beliefs to be healthy 
and not be coming from those cognitive distortions. And when we have tools that we um, can work through, we can become have those positive perspectives. They can we can replace those behaviors and we can show up differently. We come out of the triangle and move from victim to victor. This is how we really change those behaviors, those actions of acting as a victim or a rescuer or a persecutor. It all comes down to starting with changing our thoughts and our beliefs. And when we do that, then that behavior will follow. Those behavior changes will follow. So again, these will all be in the notes. Um, The resources, you'll want to go to medjucos.com forward slash library, medjucos, M-E-D, U-C-O-S, and then connect to those tools that will be available, those real-time tools to identify what role you're playing, how to work through those and process those emotions, thoughts, and beliefs tied to those roles. And then you're going to have access to the shifting cognitive distortions real-time tool and the changing beliefs, as well as we have some other um, emotions that are um, come up a lot of times connected to this, like overwhelm and grief, that then you have real-time tools to change those as well. So just to really quickly summarize, three points. First, when we are functioning from the drama triangle, we are unconsciously reacting rather than consciously responding. We're fighting, fleeing, or freezing rather than facing. We're coming from fear rather than faith. There is another way. So we can show up differently when we start to work on these and change those thoughts and beliefs that are making our or um, creating those unconscious reactions so we can change those second since our reactions are driven by our beliefs which we can which can be facilitated by cognitive distortions it is important that we challenge and change cognitive distortions and self-defeating beliefs there are real-time tools and resources to change third changing thoughts beliefs and behaviors is a practice it is work but it is such valuable work that is the one lesson my mother spoke over and over anything worthwhile is worth working for And I echo that. Um, This is work, but it's so valuable. Get the tools. A victor does not go into battle unarmed. They're armed emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Access and utilize the tools. They become your resources to step out of and stay out of the triangle. This is how we move from victim to victor. I appreciate you all so much for being here, for listening, and for sharing. I look forward to connecting with you on this journey of healing and growth as we pursue perspective and progression. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more podcasts and information on events, visit pursuingperspective.org.